I tell them, no matter where you've come from, you don't ever have to feel like, I don't have Canadian experience, how will I find a job? Because when you come from countries in South Asia and South America, you've been in organizations that are way bigger than what we have in Canada. And you're bringing that global experience into this environment. That's an asset. So don't feel that your prior experiences amount to naught just because you come to a new country. Welcome to episode 27 of Intercultural Insiders. My name is John McGraw, and I help newcomers, expats, and businesses connect across cultures to succeed in less time and pain. I am the founder of Hyaku Coaching, which is dedicated to helping you create your pathway to success in a new culture. The purpose of Intercultural Insiders is to share the stories of people with intercultural experiences. So if you're feeling isolated or lost, you can hear something from the guest's experiences that could help you, even if it's just a reminder that you're not alone. Today is part two of the interview with Rosemary Fernandez. Rosemary is a certified coach who lives out her life's purpose through her company, Coaching Works. She facilitates individuals to discover their inner resources so that they may fulfill their lives to create a legacy of their choice. Rosemary and I are both alumni of the Leading and Coaching Across Cultures program, which was facilitated by Philip Rosinski, and it's based on his two books, Coaching Across Cultures and Global Coaching. Rosemary has recently done a number of great posts about the different cultural dimensions talked about in that course. She's put them up on LinkedIn and Near the end of our conversation in part one last week, Rosemary introduced her guidebook, The 26 Pathways to a Life My Way. So we pick up the conversation from there in today's episode. We'll talk a little bit about using the cultural orientation framework to help clients find their way to success and ways to overcome their challenges. The importance and value of diversity in the business world and helping others and the importance of leaving a legacy. Without further wait, let's get into part two of the conversation with Rosemary Fernandez. Breaking it down into 26 different things you can do makes it easier, I think, for people to remember and to focus on. Since the focus here is, of course, about cross-cultural communication and connection with the tools that you're using now, particularly with the cultural orientation framework, how does that contribute to your vision of coaching and how you help the people who you work with to reach those goals? The cultural orientation framework 
is an assessment tool. It's not a recipe and it's not a program. But the tool can be used to initiate a process whereby people get to understand each other and not only create their own self-awareness, but identify the commonalities and maybe the differences that exist with people in the workplace or even as for yourself individually or with your friends. And it's so effective in bringing in thoughts and ideas that people can open up their minds to. My favorite one that I like to talk about is the framework has seven categories under which there are 17 dimensions. And I should add, I made a commitment yesterday when I did my post on LinkedIn that over the next 17 weeks, I'm going to bring each dimension of my posts. But I like to talk about the one about time, the category of time. And there's a dimension in there that's scarce and plenty. And there's some people who see time as being very scarce and some that see that's plentiful. The scarce people will often say, oh, I got to get this done. I got to do this. And they need to have a timetable or it's not going to get done. And the deadline is that they worry about it and they need a system. This is how I'm going to go about it. That's fine. That's their preference. That's their orientation. That's what they grew up with. But then another person says, I'm going to get it done. They're lackadaisical. It might appear lackadaisical, right? I've got plenty of time. I know I'm going to get done. They trust themselves that they're going to get it done. So they don't worry about it. In their mind, they got it slotted. Two hours, I'll get it done. I'll give it my best quality time. And there we go. But when they're working together, they can get on each other's nerves. But when they do the tool and they see, oh, that's how you look at time. And this is how I look at time. So it's swinging from one pendulum to the other, right? And then they start to understand, okay, I understand where you're coming from. You get upset because you need to get it done by this hour or whatever. And I'm just cool. I know I'm going to get it done and give it to you. I don't want to be micromanaged about my time. And then they create this understanding. But it may very well turn out that their orientation and their orientation comes from several sources. Look at me. I grew up in the subcontinent. I had a British education. I've come to Canada. Then I went back. I've done all this traveling. So when people ask me where I'm from, I find it very difficult to answer anymore. If you ask me where I was born, I will answer. But where I'm from, I'm from everywhere because I've acquired orientations from everywhere. But when I was talking about this case in Pendifold, it may very well turn out that the cultural orientation may be from a particular country. That's how they grew up. This is how you systemize. This is how it happened. We want structure. We think in a box. That's how the workplace runs. Whereas the other person comes from his orientation and he grew up, was, oh, we got lots of time, relax, there's no need to rush and do things. There's no right or wrong. There's no judgment. There's no evaluation. It's just the preferred way of working or being together. Or even like a couple, they could be from different orientations. But it doesn't mean we have to label or people from XY country, they can't think out of the box. It's not there because now in with multiculturalism, interculturalism, we're all from everywhere. When we pick up things from college or school, I did this course, having done the program with Philippe, it changed my whole view of thinking too. So I picked up that changed my own orientation. So the good part is that we can change our mindset if we only will it to. We have to will it. Your will is so strong. And the minute you say, oh, I can't, You've told your insights, I can 
not. And that's what registers in your subconscious. You've built the barrier yourself, but the minute you say, I will, it starts to move. One thing that I particularly appreciate using the COF and other assessments, it's a tool, I feel, to bring awareness, which I always emphasize is the first step. When you want to make any kind of growth or change is awareness about how you view things, how you view the world, the way you do things, and the way that other people view their values, their beliefs. And when you have that awareness that perhaps what you believe is not a universal belief, and it's not about your culture being better than others or other cultures being better than yours, we change. And we're shaped by so many experiences. As you said yourself, you're a perfect example. Where you work, the type of profession you have, the education, where you have lived, all of these things shape culture. So it's the awareness of those factors without falling into stereotype. It's a case of recognizing similarities and differences without judgment rather than ignoring them because it might seem uncomfortable. Yeah, it's discomfort, but it's also scary sometimes. People are afraid, so they feel that maybe someone in my way is the only way. It's my way or the highway. Well, when you start to understand that we've had the eras of technology and so on, but I think we are in an era now of humanity. And I think COVID has brought it to the forefront and because we've been in isolation and we've had to think about ourselves and who we are and the resilience and we've come out of it. It brought a change, right? The fear of death, the uncertainty of death always draws out a lot of human emotions and understanding each other is partly emotional. The tool is really helpful in creating a diverse workforce. I think time is plentiful. I got lots of time. I'm going to get this done. And I'm very visual. So once I see it, it's going to happen. And then I get down to do it. Time is not scarce for me. It's my biggest gift. But I would go crazy if I had to work in an environment where everyone was that way. I could be under stress and anxiety constantly. Like I understand, yeah, we were brought up, going to school, your timetable, you had your exam, we had to have breakfast and lunch. We were brought up with that orientation. But then we change as we go along with our own comfort level. So having a balance or understanding other people, that brings so much more harmony into the workplace, more job satisfaction, retention rates go up. And of course, with that happening, the profits, productivity, and the profits go up. It really is a great tool to create a happy workplace, if that's a word to use, but where people enjoy each other because now they know, oh, that's how you are. And now I know why you're quiet. It's not because you don't know anything about this subject. It's just that you are an indirect communicator, and I'm an upfront direct communicator. I like what you said, particularly about making a happier workplace with greater retention and profits as well, thinking of it from that more analytical viewpoint as well as a quality of life viewpoint. And I think that's when you're taking in true diversity, meaning inclusion and belonging, as opposed to something that's just a visual aspect. Um, We need people from these different sort of categories, but really understanding that diversity in terms of the way people live, the way people work, and being able to leverage those differences, as you said, because there's more than one way to do things. And when you have that variety, 
and can leverage that, then there's more innovation and everyone feels like they can contribute, which drives so many things and more profit as well. It's logical, not just from, as you said, a quality of life viewpoint, but from a business viewpoint as well. And you mentioned the post that you're doing about the 26 pathways. And yeah, you could tell us more about that or other projects that are coming up. A while ago, I thought I need to have a system in place of how I coach. And so I created the Quattro method, Quattro being four in Spanish. And so it moves someone from the first level of self-awareness and self-acceptance and takes you to self-mastery in the final stage. And so I work with that. That's my style. So let's hear what's your problem. You create self-awareness. You use an assessment tool. This is who I am. You accept it. Then you start implementing it. And then it's like learning. Then you become a master at it and you don't have to think about it anymore. And then one can have access to my newsletter. I put it as a blog on my website. And you can read all my past newsletters that I've put out over the last two years, I think it is. I have my 26 pathways also on my website. And it's very conveniently priced for $1 an alphabet. So just think 26 for 26 bucks, you've got this nice guidebook that could bring about a change in your life. And your spring, it was a great opportunity for one to think about. So what do I want this year to look like? Spring into action. We're hearing all these words in the media, right? You want to jumpstart. And then I have my intercultural team coaching, which is more for teams and groups of people who want to get a better understanding of each other. And I just smile so that they can go beyond what they see on the surface. Even with the 26 pathways, they are tied in together because it brings into you understanding who you are and how you want to create your legacy. The world has become so small. I teach newcomers to Canada, students, employment and career preparedness. And I tell them, no matter where you've come from, you don't ever have to feel like, I don't have Canadian experience. How will I find a job? Because when you come from countries in South Asia and South America, you've been in organizations that are way bigger than what we have in Canada. And you're bringing that global experience into this environment. That's an asset. So don't feel that your prior experiences amount to naught just because you come to a new country. And so with these three services of mine, they're all intertwined. So even when I'm coaching an individual, they're there on top of my mind. Even if they haven't bought my 26 pathways, I will hear what they are saying. And I try to open a pathway for them so they can continue on a new journey. Their mindset changes, they go on a new journey. Even if they haven't done the tool, but I'm aware of all the different dimensions. And then I go, aha. So Here's somebody that has a different approach, a different perspective, and then I'm able to ask them questions that are on the other side of the pendulum so that they go, oh, can one be that way too? Oh, I didn't realize. I, I totally enjoy what I do, and I created my own job description, so to speak. So I'm in a very happy place. It's wonderful to hear about what you're doing and how you've created this space for yourself to help others to explore what's important to them and how they can bridge across different gaps to get to where they want to go. So 
Is there anything else that you would like to talk about that I haven't asked you? Maybe I'll just share a little story. Sure. And I know we're coming to the end of our time together also, but it was a, another awakening for me. I recently spent uh, some time in Cartagena in Colombia. I would call it my second home. And I have two really good girlfriends there that are very successful businesswomen, but they run their business their way. They don't have a business consultant or a coach. One of them has a computer. The other one doesn't even have a computer. But they make money and they're happy and they jump on a bed every morning to get to their work. It's their own business. So I asked them individually, tell me, why are you doing this? What does this do for you? And believe it or not, both of them gave me the same answers and they don't even know each other. And they said, we help people and we want to see them happy. So with that intention in mind every day when they wake up, one of them owns an Airbnb place and she doesn't need to advertise. She has repeat customers over the last 30 years. She wakes up in the morning and they hear her walking down singing and serving breakfast to her clients and never gets upset. Oh, what more can I do for you? Well, what else would you need? Oh, you have a diet. And her clients are happy and she's happy and she's making a living very successfully. And my other friend is a jeweler in, of course, Colombia. And she sells all kinds of emeralds and so on. And all kinds of tourists come into her place and from all over the world. And she's always smiling and she's asking them, tell me exactly what piece do you want? You can see all this here, but what is it special that you are looking for? And she says, yeah, I want to make sure that I've helped every person I've interacted with, but they leave my place happy. Whether they spend $5 or $5,000, but they're happy with their purchase when they leave. And I thought if we all could have that kind of motto that no matter who you interact with, you've helped them and they've left you happy and that's your legacy. So that's my spring into action mantra maybe. It's played on my mind ever since I returned. They set a good example for me. That's a great example. That way of looking at things and the way of going through life. And I think that's a great point to finish off here. As you mentioned, we're running short on time. I want to say, yes, I am someone who's more time-oriented. You have to be, otherwise we <laughs> could spend more day together. And I would love to. I would love to. So perhaps another time. But certainly I have felt that it was plentiful spend, spending the time with you. And I hope your audience gets a few tips from listening to me. And I thank you once again for this generous invitation. And of course, I look forward to spending more time with you, John. And that was part two of our conversation. I just wanted to highlight a couple of the comments that came up. Karen Streng joining us from North Bay. I'm in total agreement with both of you, John Rosemary, regarding starting with self-awareness and becoming aware of our assumptions about our own cultural disposition and how we look at the culture of others. I think it's very easy when we think about adjusting to another culture to focus on what are the do's and don'ts. Tell me what to do and what not to do. And that can certainly be helpful if you're going on a business trip or 
have a short-term engagement. But when you're planning to adapt in the long term, there's a real need for understanding your own culture, your cultural biases, particularly if you have not interacted with people from another culture or been outside of your own culture, you may not even be aware of these things. Having that deep awareness is essential in the long term. And then once you know that, you can think about, okay, how do I position myself? What can I do to learn more? Next week, Wednesday, May 24th at 12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, we talk with Anam Halim, a marketing communications manager and storyteller. He has a lot to share on what he's been doing since arriving in Canada. He's been quite active on LinkedIn and many other places. He talks about the impact of language and culture on marketing. Also, some of the assumption that he came with about Canadian culture being the same as American culture and how he learned otherwise. And the importance of thinking long-term with your interactions in Canada and not looking at it as simply a transaction, but as something where you are building something to last. It's sometimes can be very easy to fall into a trap of focusing on the short term when you're desperate, but it's important to keep the long term in mind when you're building relationships in Canada. That is next Wednesday, May 24th. Until then, keep navigating between cultures towards your goals. 